I don't believe for a moment that a client paying mad cheddar to a public relations firm will allow the, uh, they didn't take the bait, maybe next time fishing approach, right? Big money demands results, not excuses. So I'm finding this a bit hard to believe that this is the mode the public relations would do. I don't think they would just create the bait, drop it, and hope. This is something more long-term grift, like a, an ideological movement, right? That's something they would plant the little seeds and allow them to germinate. But I don't think a paying client, um, depending on maybe the timeline, right? I'm just assuming they want results quicker, but maybe there are more ideological people with money who are paying clients to have, you know, uh, maybe the drip approach, right? The long grift. Uh, he, cl he, he clarifies the point, though. The point is that before a series of events become news, they usually have to make themselves noticeable. <laughs> now it's a series of events falsely framed to indicate a bogus pattern. <laughs> you know, How does an event make itself noticeable? Uh, is the event sentient? I don't think so. The wording implies deception and that the puppet master must be remain uh, must remain hidden. How many PR firms can the general public rhyme off the top of their heads? Right? They are the hidden wizards of public relations. Obviously, you know, a true news event can, you know, organically be noticeable. It it makes one wonder how many news events are organic versus bullshit framed narrative. You know, would we be smart enough to see it? Probably not. Only the exploitable are that smart, and they know everything, right? Bernays writes that these uh, newsworthy of newsworthy events must be packaged and easily defined, i.e., going bankrupt, a fire, a collision, an assault, a riot, an arrest, an introduction of a bill, speech, vote, meeting, editorial, hate. Right. Editorials are a slippy one, slippy, slippery one. Uh, when the news cites garbage news as news, then other news cites that citation of the garbage news. Even if the original news or garbage is retracted, the story of other news covering it remains. Right. This is this is a a, a way for falsehood to remain masquerading as news, and it's rarely retracted by the other news as well, uh, if, if ever. So people talk about prostitutes, and this is essentially, I mean, but that implies being paid. So who's paying them, right? They could spin, you know, any garbage into news, right? It doesn't have to be a collision. It could be a near miss, which is, you know, subjective, you know, or uh, avoiding a collision, right? People were continuously in a state of avoiding collision, Whenever we drive, that's, that's a that's a constant thing. We're always trying to avoid a collision, right? So the claim X avoided a collision just means they drove from A to B without colliding. So the target imagines a near miss, but one may not have occurred beyond the norms of daily driving. Bernays stresses there must be a manifestation. They must assume a certain definable shape and some aspect and an accomplished fact. Some aspect must be fact, not the whole thing, just some aspect of it. <laughs> aspect means, of course, part, 
right? He writes, otherwise it is indistinguishable from possible truth. There must be a manifestation. They must assume a certain definable shape and some aspect in an accomplished fact. So what do you mean by accomplished fact, right? Accomplished fact, the natural interpretation of that is truth. So some aspect in truth. So some portion of it in truth. Otherwise, it's indistinguishable from possible truth. Bernays waxes poetic with his fallacious reasoning. It sounds good, but it stinks, right? He's referring to a uh, hypothetical guy who gets drunk and kills his wife. So this is a purely made-up fantasy of Bernays. If there's enough of these stories, we may look into first causes and restrain the groggeries that made him momentarily mad or the industrial oppression that made him permanently and undernourished and overnerved defective. <laughs> Remember, this is a fabricated story, right? There's a lot of implications going on here. At first glance, you'd immediately see the, the correlation causation fallacy, right? Or maybe uh, you wouldn't. But uh, his point in context is not the, the lack of proven causation, but the fact that the assumptions of any cause can be asserted without evidence and sold as news. So which is it? So he's even, even in the story, he's saying, was, was the guy drunk? We don't know. This, this fictional story. He could have been drunk or it could have been industrial oppression. And, and of course, industrial oppression makes you undernourished and it makes you overnerved. <laughs> so he, he finishes the paragraph. If every day we read of those crimes which grow from the misery of New York's East Side and Chicago's Levy. Is it Levy? I think it's Levy, right? Someday democracy might get the ultimate causes for overwork, underfeeding, tenement crowding, which is a gas if, you know, as if we read about it every day, it would make it newsworthy, right? According to his own logic, if we read about it every day, we would become more, uh, uh, we would ignore it more, right? So his jab at democracy, perhaps, you know, finding the ultimate causes is rich, coming from a public relations piece of shit who just finished explaining the assumptions of causes to make news. <laughs> it also hints at Bernays being a uh, closet Marxist, right? He certainly has the uh, sociopathy and lack of reasoning to be a Marxist. Bernays also writes, the newspaper must daily inform of things which are shocking and unpleasant in order for democracy to perceive and correct. Does it have to be true or does it have to be shocking? You know, shocking and unpleasant. What if nothing shocking or unpleasant happens? Just reframe it? Is that what he's, is that what he's saying? So clearly he's trying to make the purpose of news noble, which is what a lot of us want to believe. That is the purpose of it. That's not what the reality is. And the reality via his profession of public relations has the actual purpose of news to manipulate the people and to sell papers. Those are the, the meanings, the purpose of news as defined in this book by Bernays. So journalists just want to sell papers and get attention. PR just wants to manipulate and be a parasite on the noble purpose of news. 
So clients just want power and money and use PR to attain that. People think they are the ones using the news and are for the most part ignorant of PR and their clients using them. We uh, can clearly see who the targets are and who the manipulators are, especially since the public are unaware of public relations and their clients generally. Bernays quotes the story uh, about a story about a, I quote him, Negro getting drunk at some dive and killing a schoolgirl, causing locals to vote out the dive. So the fault or perceived cause was framed to be the dive bar uh, the Negro drank at. So, so again, is it, is it the individual, right? Shouldn't the individual be responsible for the actions? Is the location responsible for the actions? Perhaps there's some liability if they were giving him booze and he was already drunk. But uh, this is also a, uh, we got to recall the context of when this was written. Right, so this was obviously he's uh, Bernays is pro uh, New World Order establishment, whatever the machine wants, right? And they wanted at the time to prohibit the sale of alcohol. So this is why he's framed this story and uh, in such a way, right? Obviously, it was the dive's fault because the alcohol, so the implied, right? The 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 uh, suppressed premise is that it was the alcohol's fault. So the alcohol, the dive sold the alcohol and the, and the poor Negro, as Bernays calls him, uh, was, you know, not under his own control. So he killed that poor girl, the school girl. (laughs) So the color of the guy doing the killing, I'm not sure if if that's relevant. What's, what's the relevance of the guy being a Negro and, uh, what's the relevance of the girl being a school girl other than perhaps her age? I don't know. We don't know the color of the girl. Maybe she was black too. I don't know. But uh, you see how they start to throw these unnecessary things in. So his point actually is, so he's a, uh, he's obviously uh, racist and he's obviously trying to promote um, prohibition against alcohol. So he didn't even mention a weapon. You know, today the news would be focusing on the weapon, right? Depending if it was a gun, right? Of course, Maybe he shot the girl. We don't know, right? Perhaps one day uh, news will get it right and focus on the individual who actually did the killing. Or perhaps if they did the killing based on uh, hate stirred up by the news, what are the chances of them covering that? I don't think too much. If the news keeps pumping hate and division and, and people are starting to respond to that by, with their, with their idiotic um, stereotypical thought, Right, which is being fostered, that mode of thinking by media and propagandists and uh, public relations and, and politicians and, and academics. So who is truly responsible? Well, obviously the person is responsible for their actions, but are they responsible for being manipulated? Aren't the manipulators partially responsible? Right? At what level are they responsible? Right? And this is the thing, we, we don't do that. And, and here, he's, and he's not even implying uh, that the person's responsible. He's implying that Booze with the suppressed premises responsible because the dive, just some dive. It was the dive that killed the girl. It's totally insane, not rational. And sane means rational thought. So if somebody is not using rational thought, they are by definition insane. (laughs) People clearly don't murder schoolgirls simply because they're drunk. 
as it's clearly not the weapon's fault, you know, it, it doesn't have a consciousness or agency despite the insanity we hear from mainstream media uh, propaganda about guns killing people, right? Bernays hopes democracy will one day get to the ultimate causes of crimes. Well, that's pretty difficult with the news, you know, feeding the public bullshit narratives and bullshit causes written and created by public relations who are being funded by some anonymous big money bags. Bernays writes for the uh, most events, there is not machinery of record. (laughs) This is a problem for the press and PR plays a considerable part in this field. PR calls to attention the point of view of his client. So just because things aren't recorded, what they just—if you don't know it, you just make it up. Is that what his implication is? So there's no record of it. Simply fill in the void with whatever their narrative, uh, whatever narrative their client wants. Right? I can't see another interpretation of this. What else could he possibly mean by that? Why would he talk about there not being a machinery of record? What does that have to do with him pushing his client's narrative? Since there isn't machinery of record for most events, we can just push our client's narrative into that void. That's that's the interpretation here, right? Doesn't matter if something was recorded, right? I mean, we can reframe anything, right? Recorded or not. You know, they did it all the time with Trump speeches, and they still do it today with whoever they want to vilify. Bernays quotes the Honorable Walter Lippmann, the piece of shit, right? The enormous discretion as to what facts and what impressions shall be reported is steadily convincing every organized group that whether it wishes to secure publicity or avoid it, the exercise of discretion cannot be left to the reporter. It is safer to hire a press agent who stands between the group and the newspapers to control what facts and impressions are reported. Clearly, reporters are too lazy to research all the facts. Do they bother still today? Bernays claims PR create the news. Launching battleships, laying cornerstones, memorial presentations, demonstration parties, and banquets are all events created with a view to their carrying capacity in the media that reach the public. We don't launch battleships for the news of the launch. We don't build buildings for that purpose or remember others or or demonstrate simply for the news of it. Yes, media events are organized to make their announcement more newsworthy, but that is not the cause of the thing. (laughs) Guy's so biased. Bernays spelling out the variety with which various newspapers approach or frame a story demonstrates the possible approaches on any subject. From the standpoint of human psychology, we see the diversification of methods to which PR can have a recourse to construct events. To construct events. To create events. So PR creates events and creates news. Events. So the things that are reported on, it's not just that they create the news. Now they're creating the events, and then they create the news on the events. 
he virtue signals about the necessity of the highest moral and technical requirements of those with whom he's working. Now, wait for a second here. Pause, right? He didn't claim to be or have morals. He just mentioned the moral and technical requirements of those he's working with. <laughs> does, he, does he mean clients or does he mean reporters? Who's he working with? Either way, it's evident that no one in the chain of public relations, client, reporter, have any intrinsic morals. So the requirements may be very low, and the implication is that PR should have no problem fluctuating on this moral thing, i.e. have none. Bernays backpedals his hype a bit when he writes, it, clearly, it must clearly be born in the mind that only in certain cases is the PR the intermediary between the news and the press. Backpedal, backpedal. Though even he has counseled upon, the action he has created finds its own level of expression in media, which reach the public. So back to the fishing metaphor, the bait that being the client's narrative and the, uh, the fish being the press. The unmentioned step is the beating of the targets with the fish. <laughs> Bernays then goes after the uh, the poor lecturer, speaking tours, readings of your recent book, whatever. Bernays has a way to capitalize. A speaker of cleanliness can be paid for by a soap company to give talks at schools or a documentary filmmaker to push any agenda. The speaker gains street creds as uh, an authority on the subject, and the client gets their idea pushed. The hall gets paid, and the crowd is amused and or manipulated. Bernays claims speakers or lecturers can be reached directly and then can magically, magically be carriers of the narrative. I assume there's some uh, quid pro quo for the hassle. Public speakers or lecturers are used by public relations at protests and demonstrations where they can demonstrate evidence to whatever narrative. The true purpose of the public speaker is not to communicate to those in attendance. The main purpose, of course, is to make a focal point of interest for the millions who do not attend. Wow, that's a pretty interesting uh, perspective. Their speech is the story, and the true message may be a meta-message as opposed to the detailed issues they speak of, i.e. X protests Y, which gathered or didn't a crowd of supporters, which PR can frame as good or bad, depending on whatever the client wants. Truth be damned, along with the honest naivete of the protesters in attendance, unless they too are hired, which is done, just, you know, research crisis actors. I don't think I need to clarify that not all people who attend protests are paid shills, but some may be, uh, you know, as we, uh, or have been, as we all know. Bernays touches on advertising as a vector used by public relations. He says, ads are the most important adjuncts to PR. If it's so important, why did he use the word adjunct, which means supplementary and not essential? Is it not an essential part? It's just an adjunct. It's just something you add to it. If it's that important, Bernays uh, tries to differentiate from uh, straight up advertising from public relations. He, he draws a line. PR is not advertising. Advertising is not an essential part of PR. 
it's only an adjunct. PR can happen without advertising. Bernays says the wise PR calls into counsel the ad agent, and the two then work on the problem in their respective fields. He writes, advertising has created demand for goods and services, but also been applied with effectiveness to the propagation of ideas as well. A point to, uh, to note is how Bernays mentions cooperative advertising by combinations of advertisers. This can be interpreted three ways. An apparent ad for, say, a mop with a hidden ad for some other, you know, unrelated narrative. Multiple groups pushing the same narrative, like a political ad sponsored by a bunch of separate groups or businesses. Or third, a multiple ad agencies pushing the same narrative. Or I guess there's another one, the, uh, the multiple groups pushing the same narrative from using multiple agencies. <laughs> and also, you could also be multiple groups pushing the same narrative, but in secret a bogus coalition of X, which is really a front paid for by some other group or groups. Example, I think the, uh, the group called Friends of Science is just a front, a lobby for Big Sugar. I suppose I can think of a few other interpretations uh, of cooperative advertising, but uh, it doesn't matter, I guess, at this point. Bernays then moves on to the stage or theater and how playwrights and managers cooperate with public relations. Sounds like a conspiracy theory, but he's giving a first-hand account. I like what Bernays talks about movies. The two types used by PR are feature films and educational films. He says, in feature films, direct public relations ideas must come indirectly and be taken by the producer of the film from some other organs of thought communication. The producer may adopt for the subject some idea, which PR has agitated. <laughs> he then mentions how a film dealing with uh, drug trafficking came very definitely as a result of the work to help rid drugs. Makes one wonder if uh, Tom Clancy is really just a PR man, a CIA PR man or a gun for hire. It seems to be pretty knowledgeable uh, for a guy who never worked in the intelligence community. Apparently, educational films are made to order by public relations, according to Edward Bernays. So much for uh, PBS. They've contaminated everything with uh, close-minded Marxist bigotry, arrogant and biased. Shame. I used to like PBS as a kid. And, uh, you know, some of those astronomy shows and everything, they're, they're, you know, they're fun to watch. But they are funded by a plethora of globalist scum. So while giving you some good information, they, uh, they might taint it with the, uh, the bias of their funders. And you know there's something off when somebody, some shyster, puts honest in front of their name, right? Just, uh, just as a fund puts the word benevolent in front of theirs. Like someone calling himself Bill, not a pedophile Gates. <laughs> the overcompensation and virtue signaling are red flags. Sort of like how there are so many creeps that call themselves male feminists. A lot of these are weak masks meant to hide their true identity. Canada's Prime Minister, current Prime Minister of uh, Justin Trudeau comes to mind. 
Similar cognitive flaws are apparent in many uncritical thinkers. The logic of stereotype, jumping to conclusions with insufficient evidence, uh, belief, uh, believe a plausible inference is a hard fact, using abductive reasoning and heuristics and thinking that is infallible. We all slip up and use cognitive flaws. The difference between a critical thinker and an idiot is that the critical thinker is critical of their own thoughts and is aware they might be wrong and not just others are. Bernays says educational films are usually shown to uh, a target audience arranged by public relations or some group interested in the idea the film stands for. The implication is the target audience the public relations has chosen would not be interested in it. (laughs) I suppose this is where documentaries come in. His example is on the need for better port, uh, port facilities and how they can be furthered by a chamber of commerce. I normally don't use further as a verb to further a project to help progress or develop something to promote it to further our cognitive health by articulation, the ideological fallacies which harm it. (laughs) Anyways, Bernays writes um, about these made-to-order films claiming newsreels are a type controlled by a private organization, filmed events and occasions which may have been created by public relations council. Those are his words. Controlled by a private corporation, filmed events and occasions which may have been created by a public relations council. Bernays explicitly says some of the news, not just the events, but the news footage itself is produced by public relations. One-stop shop. PR can make the events, create, create the events, create the news, and actually produce the news footage. According to Bernays, these are his claims. When talking about direct mail, he says there are large lists available by large businesses to public relations of people categorized by many criteria, profession, geography, all manner of preferences. This was written 100 years ago. Some people don't find it disturbing to be on a list. Those people are naive and ignore history and what's what's happening today with uh, government lists and social credit scores none of which is to our personal benefit. Even if everyone involved is benevolent, which is unlikely, tech is not infallible and there are errors. How that can go wrong is infinitely variable and can have dire consequences for the the, the victims. Choices have consequences, I am told. Bernays says the way to get the word of mouth uh, is by targeting group leaders to give currency to public relations ideas, use these group leaders to promulgate PR's narrative. Promulgate just means to make known. Promulgate propaganda to promulgate a narrative. Promulgate is, of course, uh, different from propaganda as making something known is different than manipulating opinions and behavior. Bernays says one of the most important functions of PR is the classification of targets into correct groups for the attack or proper appeals. Targeted messages sent to the correct targets. Bernays talks about PR obligation uh, to the public as a special pleader. So public relations obligation to the public 
is as a special pleader. What's so uh, special about public relations pleads, <laughs> right, on behalf of their uh, big money backers? Bernays refers to public relations as the profession of advocacy engaged in partisan representation of one point of view. Wow. All right, that is accurate. It is the profession of advocacy engaged in partisan representation of one point of view. Wow, he nails it there. That is exactly what public relations is. Again, he tries to liken public relations with lawyers, which is a bogus and deceptive model, as we've already talked about. In law, both sides have advocates which are aware they are in battle. When PR, there is secret or clandestine manipulations happening on unknowing targets. The model is of a camouflaged hunter and a naive prey, not a courtroom. Bernays admits PR is in constant danger of arousing crowd antagonisms because they often stand in frank and open opposition to the fixed point of view of one or another of the many groups in society. So now there's many groups. It's not a monolith, right? Monolith. An open opposition. Wow. To, uh, to claim their view is fixed is, uh, is a baseless assertion. It's clearly not frank and open. It is clandestine and covert. And notice the word truth is not being used or even considered. Now, I can't say it's not being considered because I don't really know what's going on inside of people's minds, but it's not openly being considered as an explicitly being considered. Opinions are the playthings of public relation. Truth and accuracy of those opinions being messed with is irrelevant to public relations. The only thing relevant is the client's opinion. The opinion of big money, no matter how wrong or how psychotic. Public relations is an industry of sociopaths for sociopathic clients. Bernays claims even Mr. Martin admits the fundamental psychological factors which make adherence to one point of view impute degraded or immoral motives to believers in other points of view. Impute, of course, means to assign blame or uh, about something or usually negative that uh, may have been or done, right? Uh, the theft imputed to Steve, but it may not always be negative. Her intelligence was imputed to her child, right? So anyways, the loss was imputed to the coach. The victory was imputed to the pitcher. Bernays appeal to Mr. Martin is of course fallacious. Even if this Martin guy said this, we don't know the context and saying fundamental psychological factors implies all people attack those who have different opinions, which is not the case and stereotypes all people to be closed-minded bigots. So Bernays is claiming we all impute or, or degrade points of view that we don't share as immoral. You see what he's trying to do. He's implying first that there is no truth and opinions are only arbitrary things to be manipulated and that uh, anyone who resisted the changing of their opinion is a closed-minded bigot, 
right? This is the manipulator trying to use uh, open-mindedness as a vector of attack. We evolved with judgment and the, the concept of nuance to fight against this sort of malware, this uh, mal-reason. If one's opinion is not based on valid evidence and sound reasoning, then it is pretty much arbitrary. But the schema, the, the concept of valid evidence exists, as does sound reasoning and the critical spirit which keeps one from being dogmatic. We evolved with those as well. Either Bernays doesn't subscribe to sound reasoning, he admits to using the logic of stereotype, and therefore falls, therefore falls for the fallacious traps. Or he knows better and is trying to manipulate the reader, which is plausible, but uh, less likely. Bernays is implicitly arguing or, or pretending that critical thinking does not exist, uh, which makes sense as it is the defense against everything he stands for, deception and manipulation. The defense against those is, of course, critical thinking. And this Martin dude isn't even referring to the general public. He refers to the crowd man, which implies these guys are aware of the concept of the Gustavian crowd, as opposed to the crowd being just a mass of uh, or grouping of individuals. This Martin guy is also not referring to opinion, but to his fiction. Martin is referring to a small type, uh, a smaller segment of the population than the whole, where Bernays is using Martin's uh, specifics to be all-encompassing generalities, the fallacious logic of stereotype in action. Bernays talks about the public, the public, Right, conflates that with the uh, with adherence to one point of view, attacking those of another. He's either a sloppy writer or intentionally trying to get the reader to think the public is attacking others. Yes, of course, some people do attack others, obviously, and think unreasonably, which is the point this podcast is fighting. But not all people are such idiots, which is also the point of this podcast. You know, while we are vulnerable to it, right, there is some who actually think critically. And I believe we all have the capacity to think critically if we work on it. I could be wrong. Uh, I assume the, the, the distribution probably follows Zipf's law that, uh, or that, what do you call it, the 2080 rule, or the rule of thumb that uh, 80% of the people are uncritical idiots and 20% are at least trying to be critical and can admit that they might be wrong. But that 80-20 rule is pretty, it's, it's an overgeneralization, I think. I should write two books, one targeting the uncritical fools and one targeting the rational critical thinkers and see if it follows Zip's 2080 rule. <laughs> Again, with my, my experimentation of, uh, of, the, of the people, which is what I'm fighting. All right, of course, uh, being a critical thinker uh, does not make one impervious to manipulation or false conclusions, as I'm a, a perfect example. But it is only, it's, it's, it's the only method that gives us a chance at ferreting out the falsities. It's a tool. It exists and it works like a candle in a dark forest. It gives us some light, but not in all the shadows, in all the dark recesses of the void. 
Bernays and other manipulators would have us believe it is best to shut our eyes in a dark forest. That way they can claim the trees don't exist and owls are just problems with your hearing. (laughs) There is no truth, only opinion. Whereas in objective reality, there is truth. The trees exist. Owls exist. There is no trouble with your hearing when you hear an owl though you may have problems with your hearing. It's a separate issue. (laughs) Bernays refers to the compact majority, which is just another synonym for Gustave Le Bon's crowd, a construct that uh, may or may not actually exist. But if the definition is loose enough, we can force it to fit our anecdotal experiences and make it appear as an obvious truth. Logically, Bernays has to know the bigoted crowd are not everyone. Otherwise, what's the point of public relations? What Bernays is actually crying about are those damn targets who dare push back against his client's narrative. uh, There may have been uh, some women who pushed back against the hairnet uh, company's propaganda, but most apparently did not because they were unaware of it and probably called their more observant sisters conspiracy theorists. The hairnet companies are obviously not conspiring to get us to grow our hair to uh, make us buy more hairnets, when in fact they are. Most people uh, probably didn't push back against the meat packers because they were unaware that they were being duped by the lies of public relations and their medical truths since they used their doctors. They're paid off shill doctors who use their bogus science, right? The, uh, the, the medical truth. It's just obvious. More bacon is better for you. People, uh, yeah, but, uh, but when a drug company wants to push their new drug and the people dare push back, wow, public relations has to go on the offensive to defend their offensive. The best offense is a good offense, right? Bernays writes, the only difference between propaganda and education is point of view. Wrong, you lying piece of shit. There is a vast difference between education and propaganda. Propaganda is the attempt to change someone's actions, beliefs, or opinions. Education is informing someone without the intent of changing their beliefs. Education is supposed to be sharing truth adding to your schemata instead of manipulating and changing right instead of instead of uh just giving you more code they're trying to manipulate your existing code that's that's propaganda education just adds to your code of course um education in universities today is more in line with Bernays' point of view as opposed to what it's supposed to be and is sold to the naive people you know paying tuition it's being sold as a dream come have the dream of this, right? So maybe he's talking realistically about what modern education actually is. Again, here I am connecting the dots for him. He just says something really vague. Education is this. Education and propaganda are the same thing. Just depends on their their point of view, which is bullshit. And uh, so, but there are circumstances, obviously, when education today is propaganda, but then that is not education. It is the, the circumstances of when somebody should be educated being manipulated by manipulators to become propaganda. It has ceased uh, to be education at that point. It has become propaganda and disinformation. 
So there are differences. So there's a setting of education in schools. And just because you're in the setting and you're in the lecture hall doesn't mean they are not uh, giving you propaganda. Doesn't mean they are educating you. They might be, or they might be giving you propaganda. Propaganda tries to change the target's schema. Education is supposed to grow the person's mind, adding new schema or concepts. Propaganda distorts concepts Education corrects. Propaganda just changes. Liars and manipulators will conflate propaganda with propagation, but they are scum manipulators. They are liars. They know they are lying. Bernays' whole book has not been on how to inform targets. It's been on how to change their opinion, to crystallize their opinion. There are different forms of communication Lies exist, truth exists, education exists, propaganda exists, propaganda masquerading as education exists, misinformation, the misinterpretation of information exists, disinformation, the intentional propagation of false information exists. It's as if Bernays is claiming there is only communication, no nuance, no lies, no truth. This, I believe, is a window into the mind of a sociopath. I believe Bernays was a sociopath. Bernays claims, The advocacy of what we believe is education. The advocacy of what we do not believe is propaganda. You'd think he's telling a joke, but he's not. He argues for propaganda and tries to claim truth is relative. This is Deception 101. Perspective is relative. Truth is absolute. Objective reality does exist. At least it's real enough for me to make a claim and for you to hear it. <laughs> Bernays claims the, for new ideas to gain currency, they must be accepted by groups. Mere ad individual advocacy, such as this podcast, will leave truth outside the general fund of knowledge and beliefs. So since you're, if you're an individual trying to push something, apparently, according to Bernays, it won't, it won't fly. It has to be accepted by groups. So I guess it has to be group propagation. I don't believe that. He writes, PR counteract the urge to suppress minority or dissentient points of view. Seriously, big money pay for that bullshit, right? I don't think so. At the end, Bernays tweaks his courtroom analogy of public relations as being the lawyers by writing, in law, the judge and jury hold the deciding power. In public relations, the PR counsel is judge and jury. So no longer lawyers pleading the case, but now judge and jury. PR has all the deciding power for good or evil. This is the PR that Bernays is trying to sell and yet hide at the same time. He tries to virtue signal about PR's superior ethics, which has no power here. <laughs> he finishes with the value of PR, making it clear that this book has been a sales pitch all along. It appears elitists often jump to the final paragraphs as they suffer from Too Long Didn't Read or TLDR, and Bernays is aware of that as he finishes the book off with the duty of the higher strata of society, 
the cultivated, the learned, the expert, the intellectual, is therefore clear. They must inject moral and spiritual motives into public opinion. This is what he thinks of the public, right? The stupid, ignorant, amoral masses. They need the, the, the moral elites to inject their, their cultivated, learned, intellectual uh, motives into the idiot public. Right? This is literally what he's saying, right? We must manipulate them to have our morals and beliefs because we obviously are the superior beings, right? And of course, it is Bernays PR who will do the dirty labor of injecting that shit into the unsuspecting public with no cares of adverse long-term effects. That's someone else's problem. That's the people's problem. That's not the elite's problem, and that's certainly not the public relations problem. To summarize this book by Edward Bernays is a... Uh, a sales pitch of the sociopathic profession of public relations to the sociopaths in the higher strata of society, the so-called elites. That's it for me. I've marinated long enough on this one. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense. We, the schmaltzy little people, need to start fighting back. Not just defense against the dark arts, but we need offense against them. Perhaps I'll start a podcast or add to this one, uh, you know, Offense Against the Dark Arts. I think I might. Uh, or an episode on it anyways. It's uh, the best defense is a good offense. Tell your friends and enemies about this podcast. I'll leave you with some words written by local boy Neil Peart. Each of us, a cell of awareness, imperfect and incomplete, Genetic blends with uncertain ends on a fortune hunt that's far too fleet.